You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to What's New with Wired. It's Friday, August 19th. I'm Zeke Robison. Today, we're talking about how Russia has made good on threats to reduce supply, leaving the EU to navigate several tough winters of energy squeezes. Make sure to listen to the end to find out what other Wired podcasts you can check out today. In 1970, West German politicians and gas executives signed a landmark deal with the Soviet Union that would shape the next half-century of European energy policy. West Germany promised to supply the USSR with steel pipes, while in exchange the USSR would extend a gas pipeline to the border of West Germany and start pumping Soviet gas beneath the Iron Curtain and into Western Europe. The trade deal was one form of Ostpolitik, a wider policy of thawing relations between the USSR and West Germany that would earn then-West German Chancellor Willy Brandt the Nobel Peace Prize in 1971. Brandt, who died in 1992, may not have imagined just how intertwined the two former enemies would become. By the time of German reunification in 1990, gas from the USSR accounted for more than 30% of the country's gas consumption. By 2021, Russia was supplying around 40% of the European Union's natural gas, with some smaller countries, such as Latvia, almost completely reliant on Russia for their supplies. Germany, with its heavy steel industry and gas-powered heating, relied on Russia for just under half of its natural gas. The Russian invasion of Ukraine in February 2022 exposed deep fissures in the EU's energy policy. After EU sanctions on Russia, the Russian state-controlled energy firm Gazprom announced it was slashing gas exports through one of its main pipelines to about 20% of capacity. The share of Russian gas entering Europe has dropped to 15%, squeezing already inflated prices to new heights. In the UK, which is sensitive to gas prices on international markets, average energy bills are projected to reach nearly four times their January 2019 levels. It is important to acknowledge for the EU that increasing this dependency on Russia has been a policy failure, says Gana Gladkik, a researcher at the European Energy Research Alliance. The continent is now facing two challenges. First, a cold winter, or several with gas supplies stretched to their limit, could mean forced blackouts and industry shutdowns. Second, Europe may reduce its dependence on Russian gas, striking new deals with different suppliers and stepping up its renewable rollout. 
At the end of that road, Europe may find itself in a new era of energy security, no longer reliant on an unpredictable neighbor to the east, but with new dynamics that may bring their own problems. But first, the crunch. In late July, European Union member states agreed to reduce their gas demand by 15% between August 2022 and March 2023. The measures are voluntary, but the EU Council has warned that they may be made mandatory if gas security reaches crisis levels. Some countries have already taken small steps to limit energy demand. Cities in Germany are switching off public lighting, lowering thermostats, and closing swimming pools in order to reduce dependence on Russian gas. France has banned shops from running air conditioning while doors are open, while Spain, which does not import much Russian gas, now prohibits air conditioning from being set to less than 27 degrees Celsius or 80 degrees Fahrenheit in public places. Natural gas is used in three primary ways, for generating electricity in power plants, for heating homes and offices, and in industries like steelmaking and fertilizer manufacture. Although there are alternatives to gas in power plants, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz has raised the possibility of extending the life of nuclear power plants in order to cut down gas usage. It's much harder to find alternatives to gas for industry and heating. The EU also has rules that protect households, hospitals, schools, and other essential services from gas rationing measures. About a quarter of natural gas in the EU goes to industry, which means that sector may well have to shoulder a large part of the burden of gas reduction, says Kai Kong Cheong, a research associate at the University of Cambridge. The EU is encouraging companies to switch to other forms of fuel, and it has asked member states to draw up lists of which businesses should be asked to stop production in the event of sudden gas shortages. German steelmarker ThyssenKrupp has said it could cope with restricted production, but warns that it may face shutdowns or damage in the event of gas shortages. The chemical firm BASF has said it will slow down fertilizer production in response to high gas prices. The really urgent and tricky thing is heating, says Gladkick. About half of German homes are heated by gas, accounting for about one-third of all the country's gas consumption. Because consumers are protected from gas rationing by law, the German government is limited in what it can do to limit gas consumption in homes. But advisors to German climate and economic minister Robert Habeck say that high gas prices will likely cause households to reduce their usage anyway. In other words, people will turn their heating down simply because they can't afford to keep it on. While the EU is trying to curb gas usage, it's also frantically trying to fill up its gas reserves before winter hits. It has set a target of refilling storage to 80% of capacity by November 1st, which it is on target to reach, although at a cost of 10 times higher than the historical average. All of this means that the EU should be able to weather a winter of tight gas supplies, but in the long run, it will need to find a way to reduce its reliance on Russian gas altogether. Even if a ceasefire in Ukraine is negotiated, it's unlikely that the EU will go back to sourcing so much of its gas from Russia. It's difficult to imagine that we'd be going back to the situation that we had prior to the invasion in Ukraine, says Chiang. To plug these future gaps, the EU and its member states are negotiating new gas supply deals with Azerbaijan and Italy, as well as increasing capacity to receive shipments of liquefied natural gas from the U.S. and Qatar. But these aren't quick fixes. It will take years to ramp up gas supply from new countries. In May, the European Commission published its plan to end the EU's dependence on Russian fossil fuels. The 210 billion euro or 213 billion dollar plan calls for a huge scaling up of renewable energy generation, including a scheme to double installed solar panel capacity in the EU by 2025 and a doubling of the rate of heat pump installation. 
The EU currently has a target to produce 40% of its electricity from renewable sources by 2030, but the Commission is proposing to increase that target to 45%. The plan also includes support for industries to replace gas with hydrogen, biogas, and biomethane to further reduce dependence on Russian fossil fuels. This crisis is a time when we ought to be doubling down on our transition to low-carbon energy, says Jim Watson, professor of energy policy at University College London, Yet the Commission's plan to get away from Russian gas includes an extra 10 billion euros of investment in additional gas infrastructure. This might sound like a small sum, says Gladkick, but it locks the EU into purchasing gas for years to come. We need to be really careful that this does not create new dependencies that do not lead to net-zero goals, she says. And in the medium term, it may be that households are forced to reduce their energy intake, not because of government directives, but because the sheer cost of energy forces people to find ways to reduce their bills. Heat pumps are much more efficient than gas boilers at heating homes, but the high price of electricity reduces some of the cost-saving benefits. Gas prices are likely to stay high for a few years, says Kong, and that may be enough to push people to install heat pumps, at least for those who can afford them. Rising fuel prices could push half of UK households into fuel poverty by next year, according to one study. By 2030, the EU should have overturned its reliance on Russian gas for good, but getting there will mean several tough years of energy squeezes. Make sure to check out our other Wired podcasts. Today in Wired Business, has CAPTCHA gone too far? Users are facing increasingly impossible challenges to prove they're not bots. Checking in on Wired Science, researchers have found a new way to keep records of when a cell's genes turn on and off by harnessing systems that bacteria already use for self-defense. And on Wired Security, we look closer at the disturbing trend of sloppy software patches. Listen to these stories and more at wired.com podcasts. Thanks for listening to Wired. Check back in tomorrow to hear more stories from wired.com. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.